today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. God wants them to remember. God wants them back. God wants them back. He loves them so much. He loves us so much. And really, this is going to be the takeaway for us. That's the whole point of this. I mean, what, why would God go to this extent and inspire Jeremiah by the Holy Spirit to prophesy such a strong indictment and prophecy and message against them if he didn't love them? He loves them so much. Sometimes when we're going through life, it may seem like the Lord is being harsh with the trials we're enduring. But in today's message, Pastor J.D. talks about how everything that we face is for a reason. Everything that the Lord gives us is out of love, and He has a reason for it. We will grow when we focus on Him. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 2 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Beginning here in chapter 2 and on through the next several chapters, as we talked about last week, Jeremiah is called of God. God says to him, I'm going to put my words on your mouth, and you're going to speak that which I give you to speak, and you're not going to be afraid. You're not going to fear man and their response to the message that I'm going to give you to speak. It's not going to be a popular one. In fact, it's going to be so unpopular that they're going to want to kill you. That's how (laughs) unpopular the message that I'm going to give you to speak is. And so he calls Jeremiah in chapter 1, says, do not be afraid. And if you are afraid, I will give you over to that fear. If you fear man, I will give you over to the fear of man. No, you don't fear man, you fear me. And we're going to see that. We see why God was preparing Jeremiah for that which he was preparing for Jeremiah. Because remember now, 40 plus years, 40 plus years. Some believe it was about 45 years, some 42 years. We know it was no less than 40 years. He is proclaiming this unpopular message. And as we're about to see, the Lord through Jeremiah is going to take them down memory lane, as it were, before they had left, key word, their first love, left their first love. Now, if that sounds a little bit like Revelation chapter 2, and the letter that Jesus had John write to the church of Ephesus, the first of seven churches, that's because it is. (laughs) It's exactly the same message. Remember, that's going to be the key word. So the message now, starting out here in chapter 2, is remember when, remember back when I was your first love. The point being is that I'm no longer your first love. You've left your first love. This was the letter, the message, the indictment, if I can say it like that, to the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. 
remember keyword from where you have fallen. It's been, as some have aptly framed it, really in the context of three R's. Remember, repent, and repeat. Remember what it was like. You have, you have left your first love. Not lost, because if you lost it, you wouldn't be able to find it because it's lost. No, you left it, meaning deliberately you left your first love. So remember first, this is what you can do about it. Remember what it was like, and then repent, which is do a 180. Turn around, come back to the first love that you left. And even in some ways, more importantly, repeat. And I'll explain why. Repeat the first works, what worked at first. What first worked, the first works. What do you mean? Well, remember what it was like at first, when I mean you were so in love with the Lord. I mean you were in the Word, you were in prayer. And there was just this, this love for the Lord, and it was a get to and not a got to. And then as time went on, you kind of got distanced from the Lord, backslid, and left your first love. And it's not the same. So what can you do about it? Well, go back and do what you did at first, the first works, what worked at first. Well, I don't feel like it. Well, wait a minute. And this applies to marriage, by the way. I, I don't feel like it. No, do it and the feelings will follow. Do what worked at first. Guys, come on, let's be honest. Remember when you were first in love and you opened the door for your bride. Now, all these years later, it's like, come on, get in, we're late. What's the matter with you? Wow, where's the love? It's not like it was at first. Even just the way you talk, my wife and I this year have been married for 33 years. I, we were just talking about this. The way we talk to each other, oh, it was pathetic. Oh, sweetie. You know the names, the, the pet names, sweetie pie, you know, pumpkin, and well, you know, whatever the words you used are. But, you know, now it's, well, some years have gone by and it's not like that anymore. Well, that's what God through the prophet Jeremiah is going to say to his people. Remember, repent, and repeat. So let's jump in verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal, when you went after me in the wilderness in a land not sown. 
Israel was holiness to the Lord, the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him will offend. Disaster will come upon them, says the Lord. So right here in the first three verses we have this, I guess you could say heartbreaking appeal to God's people to remember what it was like at first. I remember, do you you remember what it was like? Verse 4, hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, what injustice have your fathers found in me, that they have gone far from me, have followed idols, and have become idolaters? Neither did they say, where is the Lord? who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and pits, through a land of drought and the shadow of death, through a land that no one crossed and where no one dwelt. I, verse 7, brought you into a bountiful country to eat its fruit and its goodness. But when you entered, you defiled my land, and made my heritage an abomination. The priests, verse 8, listen to this, get this, did not say, where is the Lord? And those who handle the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied, by Baal, and walked after things that do not profit. Wow. If it weren't here, and we didn't just read this in God's Word, I wouldn't believe it. Because we just got done reading that the priests and the teachers of the law, those who handled the law, they didn't even know the Lord. Is that is that even possible? Absolutely it is. You mean to tell me a pastor today, like a priest then, who teaches the Word or handles the law, if you prefer, doesn't even know the Lord? Yeah. How how about the the prophets that, that prophesy? Oh, they're prophesying all right. I mean, after all, they're prophets, but The problem is they're prophesying by Baal. And they're walking after these things, and they're leading people astray as they walk after these things. Listen, I don't know (laughs) how, how God could be any more clear than He is here. Very clear in no uncertain terms that, and and notice the way he says what he has Jeremiah say. It's almost like he's arguing his case against them, because apparently they have a case against God. They're bringing charges against God. And God God is just questioning them. You're charging me with this? You're you're bringing these charges against me, 
They're false charges. They have no merit. It's almost like you're in a courtroom setting where you have two sides arguing their case, because in verse 9 we see God now bringing His charges. Therefore I will yet bring charges against you, says the Lord, and against your children's children I will bring charges. For pass beyond the coasts of Cyprus and sea, send to Kedar and consider diligently and see if there has been such a thing. Verse 11, what do you mean? Oh, I want you to send people far and wide, and I want you to see, verse 11, has a nation changed its gods, which are not gods, but my people have changed their glory for what does not profit. Be astonished, O heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, says the Lord. Whoa! <laughs> you know what he's saying here, right? These are the charges now being brought against them. And he asks them, you can go as far as you need to go, and you see if what I'm saying is true. See if you can find any people who have changed gods as you, as my people, have changed gods. In other words, the pagan gods are more loyal to their pagan gods, which are not gods at all, than you are. That I'm the true God. And I mean, <laughs> what a charge against them in this comparison with them. The, these pagan people worshiping their gods, they're more devoted to their gods than you are. Apparently you guys decided that you want to change, change your gods, and you want to worship different gods, and they don't do that. Why do you do that? Because the gods that they're so loyal to and faithful to and devoted to are not even gods at all. And yet, I'm the true and living God. And I mean, one cannot help but notice the strength with which God, through the prophet Jeremiah, brings this charge against them. You know, this is probably as good of a time as any, because when we get to the end, there has to be this understanding, and I think it would be grossly remiss if I did not teach this chapter this way. Why would God, now at first read you would almost get the impression that God is just so angry with them, and actually it's the opposite that's true. God loves them so much that He and he cares so much that he has to say this to them. Because if you think about it, if he didn't love them or care about them, he wouldn't bother. But he loves them so much. You, you have to see this, and it's going to get pretty graphic here in a little bit. You have to see this through the lens of God's love for them. Because in the end, God wants them to repent. 
God wants them to return. God wants them to repeat. God wants them to remember. God wants them back. God wants them back. He loves them so much. He loves us so much. And really this is going to be the takeaway for us. That's the whole point of this. I mean, why, why would God go to this extent, in, inspire Jeremiah by the Holy Spirit to prophesy such a strong indictment and prophecy and message against them if he didn't love them? He loves them so much, and he loves them too much <laughs> to let them continue in this way. Verse 13, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, left their first love. The fountain of living waters, hang on to that, very important, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Now in that day they would, this is how they would, this was their life source. The water was their water source. So they would carve out, hew these cisterns to hold the water in the stone. But the problem is, is that all it would take would be just even a minor earthquake, and there's a crack in that cistern, and no longer does that cistern hold water. So he's drawing upon that that picture, painting this picture of this broken cistern that is no longer good for anything but being used for a tomb, which is actually what they would do with broken cisterns. You see the contrast here? Life-giving water, living waters in broken cisterns, and so instead of life-giving water, your broken sisters, the cisterns that you have hewn for yourselves, that's key. Because it's almost like Jesus in the New Testament when He says, you drink from this water, you're going to thirst again. Come to me, drink of the water from me, and you will never thirst again. That cistern will never be broken. Verse 14, is Israel a servant? Is he a home-born slave? Why is he plundered? Now this is believed to be a reference to the northern tribes of Israel, and this prophecy is for Judah, southern Israel, and Jeremiah is saying, look at your brethren in the north, and look what happened to them. They were in bondage and plundered. Verse 15, the young lions roared at him and growled. They made his land waste. His cities are burned without inhabitant. Also, the people of Nof and Tahpanhas. These are two cities in Egypt, ancient Egypt at the time, have broken the crown of your head. Now some believe this could be a reference to when Egypt defeated Israel and Judah, and this king, this good king Josiah that ruled at the same time 
as the prophet Jeremiah when he was killed at that time. So it could be a reference to that. But then why is the Lord going into all of that to say this, verse 17, have you not brought this on yourself? In that, and here it is again, you have forsaken the Lord your God when he led you in the way. And now, why take the road to Egypt? To drink the waters of Sihor, that's the Nile River. Or why take the road to Assyria to drink the waters of the river? Your own wickedness will correct you. And your backslidings will rebuke you. Know therefore and see that it is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord your God, and the fear of me is not in you, says the Lord God of hosts. Uh, give me a, a moment on this and bear with me, because this is huge. There is a powerful principle here that I think we would all do well to take note of. It's concerning sin, the consequences of sin being brought on by ourselves. Sin is its own reward. Make no mistake about it, your sin will find you out. Now, just again, bear with me. I, this is a tough one, because again, viewed through the lens of love, God is saying, I love you so much, I don't want you to suffer needlessly and drink from such a bitter cup. This is an evil and bitter thing. You have forsaken me. You have left your first love to your own peril. And this sin, this backsliding, this wickedness, it's going to be the very thing that corrects you and rebukes you. You're going to suffer the consequences that you yourself and you alone have brought on yourself. Oh, you want to try to blame God? <laughs> God tried to warn you. This is what happens when you turn away from the Lord when you backslide from the Lord, when you leave and forsake the Lord. Yes, the Lord will never leave us or forsake us, but if we forsake the Lord, the Lord's not going to force Himself on us. He has to because He's given us free will. He has to say, okay, I'm going to be here. I want you to come back. It's going to hurt my heart to watch you as you suffer needlessly the correction from your own wickedness, the rebuke from your own backsliding. It's, it's going to hurt my heart. Think about it, as a parent, an earthly fallen father and mother with your own children. How painful is it? I mean, you, you never really knew that you could love so deeply until you have a child and you watch them go down this path. 
We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Jeremiah is one of those books that's not the easiest to walk through in the Old Testament. It's almost like you see the train wreck that's up ahead and you want to warn them, but they just don't listen. Then you have other verses in this book that are commonly claimed, but what does it really mean in the context of what's going on? Jeremiah 29 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. But if you're looking at the train wreck up ahead, you wonder, how does claiming that verse fit with exile and judgment? Ultimately, God's plan and purpose are to bring people back to himself in reliance and dependence on him, not in their own possessions or their comfort. The same could be said for you today. You may be going through something that seems like judgment or exile, but are you drawing closer to the Lord in the process? There's a future and a hope, but it may play out differently than you'd like. If you're just getting into this study and want to listen to other teachings from Jeremiah, go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com to find these messages. There are a variety of additional resources on our website. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and then come back for our next edition where Pastor J.D. will continue on in the book of Jeremiah. We look forward to that time with you here on In Spirit and Truth.